Well, good morning. Oh, goodness, it's been such a fantastic week. This week has been amazing to see just what God is doing in our church, in our community. Uh, I wasn't able to be here yesterday. Um, we uh, had our very first, for myself, it was my very first high school graduation at our, at our school at Centerpoint. So it was just an awesome experience to be able to be a part of that. Um, but I know the food pantry went excellent yesterday. Um, what an amazing opportunity to love our community, to love Flint, uh, to, to be a part of what is going on in our area. So if you have not been a part of that yet, it's every first Saturday. We'd love to have your help and love to be able to have you be a part of it. Um, but being able to serve Flint and, and talk to people and pray with people, hear so many stories. It's so fantastic. Um, again, happy birthday to Ricky. Where are you at? Where'd you go? Oh, he must have gone. He must have gone out. But happy birthday to Ricky. Uh, just I want to say thank you to the band too. You guys put in so many hours of being coming out and practicing and worshiping and and getting ready for us every single Sunday. So thank you to the band. Thank you for all you do. And and um, goodness, it's just amazing being able to come together and worship God and have such a, an amazing band up here every Sunday. So thank you guys. Well, today we are finishing up First Peter. And so we are in chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. If you don't know, that was my amazing wife, Amanda, who came up and read today. So when preparing for this sermon, and as I was getting ready throughout the week, all I could see as I was reading, and all I could think about as I was reading this chapter, was Christian character, and who we are supposed to be as people, as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's what I kept reading. I'm, I'm reading through it, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to come up with my normal sermon, right? Like, my normal sermon is, uh, like, points, or, or you know, I, I always, I'll have a breakdown of what it's going to look like. Like, Pastor Ernesto, two weeks ago, he was talking about how he, you know, he starts building it on Monday and Tuesday, he starts reading through, right? And then he starts Wednesday, starts pinpointing his points, and then building in stories. And I'm trying to do all that, because I, I work the same way. And as I'm reading this chapter... All I can think about and all I can see is just who we're supposed to be as Christians. It's Christian character. This is Peter's closing to his letter to the church. Let me explain what's happening here during 1 Peter so that we can kind of get a better grasp of actually what's going on and what he's trying to say. Give some context here. Peter, a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's probably one of my favorite disciples. If you read through the Gospels, Peter is always the one sticking his foot in his mouth, <laughs> right? He's always the one saying the wrong thing. And one time even Jesus says, devil, get behind me after Peter says something, right? Because that's who he was. He's always the one that was just always saying the wrong stuff. And I can relate to that. <laughs> I can relate to that. I'm like, yeah, I've been there. I've done the wrong thing. I've said the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? I've been there. So that's why I, I relate to Peter. But after Jesus died and after Jesus resurrected and ascended back to heaven, Peter went out and, and started building the church, right? He started building the church with the other apostles. He's writing here to a group of aliens, exiles, uh, to, in the Asia Minor area. He's writing to a church that's already established. Christian persecution is coming to an all-time high at this time. 
Most likely the persecution under Nero is just starting to get really heavy around 64 AD. I remember a few years back, I had an amazing blessing of being able to go to Israel. And one of the places that we went to was, it was one of the first places. It was right on the sea, and it was this, like, arena. It was this arena, and it's huge, and a lot of the seats from this time still exist to this day. In this arena, the seats all face a big U around the arena, and you can see the sea from where you're sitting. But this arena was actually a place where they would start, where they would put Christians to fight things like lions and wild animals, or even fight each other. Nero was a horrible, horrible man who had a lot of Christian persecution during his time. So this time, right now, what's happening during this chapter, Nero is just getting heavy to, into his per Christian persecution, and these aliens, these exiles that First Peter is writing to, are out and spread out all around. When our, um, when our family moved to Georgia, we moved to Georgia a while back and you know, grew in love with the culture and grew in love with everything down there, especially the food, right? Uh, the fried chicken, the collard greens, the okra, and uh, oh my goodness. Anybody ever heard of lace bread? Like, what is it? Uh, lace cakes? Right? Anybody ever heard of those before? It's like a, who did I say you have from? Back somewhere in the back? Lace cakes are like a cornbread. And it's uh, flat, and it's got like little bubbles in it, but it's just the most heavenly bread you'll ever eat. <laughs> Except for manna, of course. But we grew in love. <laughs> but we grew, <laughs> but we grew, oh, you guys got that one, all right. <laughs> but we grew in love with the culture down there. But we were, it was still very different. We lived in a town called Register, Georgia. Literally, when we got there, we were number 165, 166, and 167. It was super, super small, and the cows actually outnumbered us. All right? I was sitting down one time during lunch with one of our um, men of the church, and I'm, I'm sitting there talking to him and uh, just giving him this look. I'm like, Reed. I don't understand anything you just said, brother. <laughs> and he's like, all right, all right, all right. Let me northern it up for you, okay? All right, we were, we were different down there, right? We were, we were not exiles because we weren't forced to be down there, but everything was very different. For this church, for where they were, they were not used to where they were. They were hiding in the wilderness. They were, they were cast out from their towns. They were cast out from their churches. They were cast out from their families, gives us a good understanding of where these folks are, where this church is during this time. So the words of Peter here, we can get a better grasp of when he's saying things like, therefore humble yourselves, casting all your anxiety on him. We can get a better grasp of what he's trying to say. These Christians are in an unfamiliar, unfamiliar land. They've been scattered. They've been pushed from their homes and hiding. So, as I was reading, as I was preparing, I just said, you know what? I'm not going to come up with points. I'm not going to come up with steps. I just want to break down what Peter's trying to say here. So let's start in verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why would Peter, a disciple of Jesus Christ here, remind a group of exiles to be humble? I have a quote here from F.B. Meyer. It says this, Pride, 
is one of the most detestable of sins. Yet does it find lodgment in earnest souls, though we often speak of it by some lighter name. We call it independence, self-reliance. We do not always discern it in the hurt feeling, which retires it into itself and nurses its sorrows in a sulk. We are proud of our humility, vain of our meekness, and putting on the saintiest look, we wonder all around are not admiring us for our lowliness. So here's a church that's been cast out, that's exiles, that are not in their homes, that are not in their church, hiding, hiding from Roman persecution. And yet Peter has to remind them to stay humble. To stay humble. Why? Because in our lowliest times, in the times when we're feeling down, when the times when we're feeling in the dumps, in the times that we're, we're just struggling, in those times, we have to remember that we have an amazing God. That we have an amazing Savior in Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. And that's hard. That's hard when we're in the dumps. That's hard when we're struggling. It's hard when we're, we're, we're not covering our bills correctly. It's hard when, we're, when the car breaks down and then we got some unexpected bills. Or when the refrigerator breaks down and we got some unexpected bills. When the car's not starting in the morning. Believe me, I understand. I know that. We know that pain. We know that suffering. We know that struggle. But in those times, we also have to remember who's ultimately in control of our lives. And this church, this church who's now in exile, who's now hiding from Roman, Roman authority, has to be reminded that Jesus still loves you. That your ultimate governing authority is still watching over you. That we have an amazing God. Don't get so low. Don't get so down. Don't get so to the point where you're not focusing on Jesus. Because we can get there. We can get there when we're struggling. We can get there when we're going through hard times. When our heart is no, focused on so much on, on everything that's going wrong in our lives that we're not focusing on who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And sometimes in those times we seek that attention. We seek that attention to be, hey, look at everything that's happened to me. Look at everything that I'm going through. We have to be reminded to humble ourselves. To cast that attention away from ourselves and more on the light that is within us. It's easy to fall into the trap of pride in a culture that celebrates it. In a world that celebrates being able to do everything on our own. Well, church, here, I'm here to remind you that we are not meant to do everything on our own. We are not meant to be independent. We are not meant to be solitary. I told this story yesterday at the graduation, and it goes right along with the sermon that I'm preaching here. So a while back ago, we took our youth group to a concert, and man, I used to love going to concerts. I can, I can wrap it up with the best of Lecrae and rock down a skillet, right? I love, I love concerts. 
I love going and, and, and just singing and worshiping. If anybody's ever been to a Crowder concert, like he brings out some old school hymns. Like it's so awesome. But a while back we went to a concert and, and uh, the, the speaker or the singer, he said, shut down all the lights, all the lights turn off. And a couple of the flashlights from our phones start turning on. Right, you see them pop up, boom, 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 all around the stadium, right? Just a couple here, a couple there. A couple of lights on their own don't really do much. But at some point, all the lights in the entire stadium from everybody's phones start turning on. And when that happens, the stadium gets lit up. That's like us, church. We are not meant to go into this dark world as a light unto our own. We are meant to be a church. We are meant to do life together. We are meant to go into this world together and be a part of what's going on together. We are meant to serve Flint together. We are meant to serve our communities together. We are meant to love others around us together. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot do this in solitary. We are not supposed to be isolated. That's why COVID just ruined churches for so long. A lot of the church still hasn't recovered from COVID. And I'm not talking about the sickness. I'm talking about the sickness in the church. A lot of the churches still have not recovered from what happened there. Because people started going solitary. People started confining themselves in their homes. And I understand that some people have to do that. But there's a lot of people that don't have to, that should be in the churches and should be a part of what's going on here. Because we're not supposed to be in solitary confinement. As a church, we are supposed to shine our lights bright together into this very dark world. We have to recognize and be humble enough to know that I need other people in my life. I need to be humble enough to know that I cannot do this life on my own. I need to be humble enough to know that my family needs other families in our lives to be a part of what we're doing. That can also get really hard in our busy lives, can't it? Anybody, ever, anybody else ever get home at night and just want to like lay down on the couch and do nothing? Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's almost every night, right? <laughs> I just want to go home, see what else is new on TV, turn on the rookie, and you know, just lay there, right? <laughs> but church, I need to be humble enough to know that our family needs your family in our lives. I need to be humble enough to know that our family loves your family and we need you in our lives too. Church, let's not do this life to get alone because our lights shine so much brighter together. Philippians 2, 3-4 through 4 says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Everything that we do in life should be for the betterment of the kingdom, the betterment for each, of each other, to think for other people. To think of other people. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That verse says, yeah, 
we do have to look out for ourselves sometimes. We do have to make sure that we're, we're covering our family, that we're taking care of ourselves, that we're, you know, we're, we're studying God's scripture, we're, we're growing our own, we're reading on our own, we're learning on our own, but also for the interests of others. To love other people, to, to share with other people, to, to gather with other people, to serve with other people. That's why I love this. Is a, this is a, one of the models of our church to speak Jesus, to serve Flint, to obey the King. This is a very important part of who we are as the church: is we are supposed to serve together, to look out for the interests of others. Peter here is reminding the church that they need to stay humble in their time of exile. And even going back to verse five for a second, I'm sorry, John, I didn't include this one, but even going back to verse five for a second. It says, you younger men, likewise be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He's speaking directly even here to the younger people of the church. That the younger ones in the church need to look to the elders. Young people in this room, learn. Talk to the elders within this church. Talk to people in here. Talk to, talk to people that you know you can grow from. I'll always love the time that we sat down during couples, council, uh, couples uh, ministry. What was it, last summer or the summer before? Two summer, last summer? When we were having conversations about our marriages. You remember that? We were talking about our songs and everything like that. And I loved you guys' testimony. And I love being able to learn from you too. I want to learn from you. But younger people... Learn from those in the church that you know you can learn from. Seek godly counsel. Seek Christian counsel in everything, including life, including marriage, including family. Don't do life on your own. The next part of what Peter's saying to the church, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Whew, this one's hard. Church, I know we try to take on everything ourselves. We think we got this. We think we're strong enough, smart enough, sly enough that we don't need God's help. I remember in a hard time in my life, I was at a low point. We were still going to church. We were still a part of church and what was going on. But at one point in my life, I said, I'm not... I don't want to pray for myself anymore. I'll pray for other people, but I feel like God's not listening to me when I'm praying for myself. I'm at a low point. We need to remember that we need to cast our cares on Him. A lot of times it might not feel like He's listening. He's listening. He's listening. God just doesn't work in our time. God works on his time. We might not see it for days, weeks, months, years. For me, it took two and a half years to go back into my passion and ministry. Two and a half years of praying to God for direction. Two and a half years of saying, God, 
I don't understand. God, I don't know where you want me. God, I don't know what, what, what direction I have in life. Two and a half years of feeling like he wasn't listening. But he doesn't work on our timing, but on his. Casting our cares because he cares about you. It's easy to think that our problems may be too small for the creator of the universe. But he does care. He wants to have a relationship with us, and relationships are not possible without communication. Any relationship in life requires communication with each other, right? Any relationship, whether it's marriage, friends, family, it requires communication. It requires a back and forth, not a a voicemail to one another, right? It requires actually talking to each other. God wants to hear from us, even the smallest and smallest of things. Sometimes if I'm just driving in my car, I'll just talk out loud to him. I'm not singing, I'm not worshiping, I have my music off. I do love worshiping to him once in a while, and, but sometimes I just talk out loud to God. Just to have a conversation with him. He wants to hear about even the smallest of little things in our lives. At the beginning of this year, um, I, had a really tough, um, I had a really tough start to the school year with one of our students. And so much so that it really hurt me down deep. And I told my boss, I'm like, Kyle, I need to have a day. I need to have a day to myself, to regroup, to spend time with God. I just went out to the disc golf course, just, my, just me by myself, and I hit the disc golf course, and the whole time I was just talking to God. Sometimes out loud. Yeah, I looked weird out there, just talking out loud to myself. But that's what I needed, because I needed to cast my cares on him, because he cares for me. Next point is be sober-minded and be alert. The next thing that Peter's reminding the church to be is to be sober-minded and to be alert. To watch for evil. Always be ready for the wiles of the devil and sin. With humility comes knowing that we are always susceptible to sin. We are always susceptible to the wiles of the devil. Because he is smart. He knows where we struggle. He knows where our pain is. He knows where our hurt is. And he likes to push on those hurts. And he likes to push on those pains. And he likes to push on those sins that we struggle with. He is smart. Peter's reminding the church here is to be humble enough to know that we are always, always susceptible. Charles Spurgeon once said this, he can, that he can never be content till he sees the believer utterly devoured. He would rend him in pieces and break his bones and utterly destroy him if he could. Do not, therefore, indulge the thought that the main purpose of Satan is to make you miserable. He is pleased with that. But that is not his ultimate end. Sometimes he even make you happy, for he hath 
dainty poisons, sweet to the taste which he administers to God's people. If he feels that our destruction can be more readily achieved by sweets than by bitters, he certainly would prefer that, which would best affect his end. When we say that we can handle our sins on our own, we're not being humble and we're not being cautious. We may think that we are getting away with sin, yet the roar of it in our ears drowns out the voice of God. When we think that we are able to handle sin on our own, when we think that we're like, we, can, we got this, we can handle this, I can, I can get through this on my own, Satan is roaring in our ears so much so that we can't even understand, we can't comprehend what Christ is trying to tell us. We're not listening to the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit who provides direction, that it provides education, that provides clarity for us. When the devil's roaring in our ear, we're not able to hear. We need to be able to seek counsel. Find people we can talk to and pray with. Have somebody in our lives that we can rely on and say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm struggling and I need prayer. I need help. Peter says, resist him, firm in your faith. Amanda and I, uh, we've been coaching Lorelei's softball team for, for some years now, for a long time. And actually, even as long as we've been married, which is almost 20 years next year, we've been coaching softball, right? We love softball. We love like, being a part of it. We love just the team. We love being out in the heat. We love every part of, of playing. But at, with any sport, it takes practice. Before the season starts, we start practicing with our girls. We start teaching them how to hit, how to throw, right? how to pitch, and all these other things, how to, how to play the position, how to be the cutoff. Right? For the people out there, you know what I'm talking about with being the cutoff, right? <laughs> to get better, to be able to resist the opponent. Church, we need to respect our opponent enough to know that they will be hard to beat. We need to respect Satan enough and respect sin enough to know that they are a tough opponent. Because if we don't, if we don't respect him, we're not going to try. We're not going to try hard enough. We're not going to try to defeat him. But we have the amazing, amazing teammate in our Lord and Savior. He is the one that helps us get through this. He is the one that is able to defeat the enemy. I cannot do it on my own. But we need to make sure that we can respect sin enough to know that he is a strong opponent. And to give those sins to Jesus, to give those sins that in our lives, those things that we're struggling with to God. And say, help me. Help me get through this time. I think that Peter here has given us a pretty good roadmap to be humble, be sober-minded, be alert. All of these things help us stand up against the enemy. Be firm in our faith. 
When our faith falters, we need to find counsel, talk through it with other people, pray with others that are willing to go to the Father with you. Maybe you've had a time in your life, or even maybe right now, where your faith is faltering. Maybe where you feel distant from the Lord. What do you need right now to get right with Him? Maybe it's a confession of sins. Sins that you're struggling with, that's a weight, that's a burden on your shoulders right now that you just need to give to God. Find from forgiveness from somebody. Or maybe you need to give forgiveness to somebody. The, all these things that we struggle with in our lives can weigh us down, can make us feel so far away from God and so distant from the Holy Spirit. The last thing that Peter says to the church right here is to know that this is not forever. To know that this exile is not forever. To know that this time away from your church is not forever. To know that this time of hardship is not forever. Church, this time of hardship in our lives is not forever. The struggles that you're struggling with are not forever. The pain that you might be experiencing is not forever. The hardships is not forever. This world of sin is not forever. We are going to suffer. We will go through heartache. We will experience pain. But in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, this is a passage I give to people all the time when they're going through heartache or when they're going through hard times. And please remember this one. If you are in a time of struggle right now, if you're in a time of pain right now, if you're in a time of, of a lack of faith right now, write these verses down. Make it a part of your growth. Make it a part of your healing plan. It says this, not only this, but we also boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction brings about perseverance. Another translation says to also um, rejoice in our sufferings, to boast in our afflictions. The last thing I want to do when I stub my toe in the middle of the night is to say, Hallelujah, God. But when we're going through pain in our lives and we're struggling in our lives and we're struggling with our faith when we're, when we're going through hardships, the last thing we want to do is say, thank you, God. But here he says to rejoice in our sufferings, to boast in our afflictions, knowing that afflictions bring about perseverance. Being able to get through these with God's help, with, when we let God stay in control of our lives even through the tough times, and we're able to get through those times, we're able to persevere the next time it happens. We're able to get through them even easier and easier and easier, and it does get easier knowing that God is on our side. Perseverance. And perseverance brings proven character. Starts making you who we are. Starts making us part of who we have become in the Lord. Produces character. It produces that, that the next time that happens, instead of swearing and, and punching our steering wheel when a car breaks down, I've done that. Not the, swear, not the swearing part, but I punched my steering wheel a fair number of times. Knowing that oh, this stinks, 
But God, I'll get through this. This is awful. I'm going to be at work late. But God, I know I'll get through this. It produces character. It produces that time that the next time something like that's going to happen, that you know God is with you and that God is on your side. This is not forever. And proven character produces hope. Hope does not put to shame because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. A hope and, and knowing that we all know the end. We know what happens next. We know that our Lord and Savior reigns. We know that no matter what happens in this life, the things that we go to, the struggles, the pain, the, ex, the time of an exile, that no matter what happens, that our Lord and Savior is in control. We know the end. A hope. God's dominion will reign forever. This is God's world. He's only letting Satan live in it for now. We all know how it ends. If you're here today and just need to pray with somebody, please, stick around after. I'll, I'll pray with you. My family will pray with you. If you need prayer and don't want to talk to somebody today, there's cards right in front of you. Fill it out. Give it to myself, Pastor John. And we'll pray for you. But don't try to do this alone. Don't be in exile. Don't go through the pains of this world alone. Let others be on your side too. Let's pray and we'll close. Lord Father, we do, we do know as your church that there's pain in the world, that there's struggles. But Lord, help us to focus on you. Help us to cast our eyes and our vision upon who you are and what you have done in our lives, Lord. Let us remember that we have hope that in the end that you are still in control. So Lord, I pray for anybody in here today that's maybe struggling, Lord, that feels like an exile, Lord, that feels like an alien in their, in their own land. It might be experiencing some struggles. It might be experiencing some, some pain, Lord, that they seek help, that they find counsel, that they seek prayer. Lord, we thank you for our church. We thank you that as a church we are able to shine together in this dark world. Lord, that we're able to serve our community together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.